Hey, good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Hey, if you're new to First Lutheran, I'm excited to welcome you as we are continuing our study of the book of Acts. It's one of the books in the New Testament that describes how God continued his work in the first Christians to teach them how to live and love like Jesus Christ. And this morning we come to the story of the conversion of one of the most important figures in the early church. He's a man who's had more of an impact on the church in every generation, probably than anybody who's ever lived besides Jesus Christ. His name is the Apostle Paul. And if you've never heard his story before, I'm really excited to share with you because it's remarkable. And if you've been around the church for a while and you have heard Paul's story before, I'm excited to share it with you because it's remarkable. We need to hear it again. Uh, Paul is really the despicable me character of the New Testament. Anybody seen that movie in here? Anybody? Yeah, great movie. I know the sequel's coming out, and it's just a lot of fun. Um, this is the story of a villain who is trying to steal the moon. Not the best plan, but it's funny. It makes for a great movie, and through the course of the movie, his heart changes from being someone who's a callous criminal to someone who's filled with love. And these three little girls that are climbing all over him change his heart. And I have a soft spot for this movie because I have three cute little girls. And it's just a great story. And I think it's a lighthearted way for us to begin to think about the Apostle Paul. Because the Apostle Paul, he's an intense figure. He lived an epic life. And he's a little bit difficult for us to relate to. I mean, before he was the Apostle who wrote half the New Testament, 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament, God used Paul to write. He was an enemy of the church of Jesus Christ. He was persecuting and killing Christians. And then he became this man that God worked through for the rest of his life to spread the good news of Jesus around the world. This is an intense life that he lived. In Acts chapter 7, uh, he's pictured at the murder of the first Christian martyr, Stephen, that we studied a few weeks ago. And then in Acts 9 that we're going to be studying today, you can follow along the verses on the screen, we see Paul doing this. It says... Meanwhile, Saul was still, he's also referred to as Saul, it's just a different way of saying his name, was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way of Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. But then, when he was on his way to round up Christians, something amazing happened to him something he could have never planned or manipulated or expected. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So while he was on his way to persecute and kill more Christians, the risen Jesus Christ appeared to him in a blinding light, made him blind for three days. And another Christian, God sent to take care of him. He took him to his house and gave him refuge and hospitality, prayed for him and gave him food. And when he, he, he regained his sight three days later, Paul was a new man. The man who was persecuting the church is now a friend and apostle of the church. Something in his heart changed in this encounter with Jesus. Someone who was a gruff villain was now the biggest friend of the movement of Jesus Christ. His heart was filled with love and care for the people who he was against before. This is a remarkable story. As people began to hear about the change in Paul's life, they were really baffled. It says this in Acts chapter 9. It says, All those who heard were astonished 
and asked, isn't this man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? This change in Paul's life, it surprised everybody. The Jews couldn't believe that the one who had trained his whole life to become a leader of the Pharisees was now preaching that Jesus was the Messiah, that he had died for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. That's something that only Yahweh could do. And that's why they were persecuting Christians, because they thought that was blasphemy. They wanted to kill Paul now. And the Christians, they couldn't believe it was happening either. The person that they were afraid of is now saying he's their friend. It, it gives a very honest depiction of the Christian response to Paul in the book of Acts as it continues. It says, they were afraid of him. And the first person that Jesus told to go to Paul, Ananias, it says this. It says, I have heard reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy name. He has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. Essentially, uh, Ananias is arguing with the Lord. (laughs) The Lord has told him to go to Paul and help take care of him. And Ananias is saying, don't you remember who this is? This man is not our friend. He's our enemy. Lord, I can't go to him. People like that don't change. He thought that when Paul came in under his roof, that this was just a plot for Paul to get more of them and round them up and become an insider so he could persecute more Christians. The Christians were right to be skeptical and afraid of Paul. People don't change like that. Enemies don't just become friends overnight. But the Lord was showing the church something really significant about the message of Jesus. He had a plan for Paul that was going to blow their mind. He had a plan for Paul to become the apostle to the world, the one who would spread the message of Jesus, and that this would be unexplainable without God's work in his life. He was trying to expand their vision for Christian community, that his church was going to be a place where even the greatest enemies became friends through the power of God. And the worst sins... And the worst enemies could be reconciled to God and each other. That the church was going to be a different kind of community, a different kind of force in the world where the good news was not only for their friends, but also for their enemies. And I think this is a message that we really need to let sink deep in our soul. Because I think this is a safe place to say that this really cuts against human nature. It cuts against the way that we naturally are as human beings. As human beings, We're a lot more naturally, we become against each other more easily than we become for each other. Last year when I moved to Minnesota, I was invited to go to a football game, a Minnesota game, Go Gophers. And I had a lot of fun going to the game. I I like football. A a person from the congregation invited me to go. And uh, Pastor Steve and a couple other guys went. We were just having a good time. But the game got a little bit boring. And so while we were there, uh, the crowd started this chant. And... I was really surprised to hear what it was. As, as the game kind of just drowned on, the crowd all around started saying, Who hates Iowa? We hate Iowa. Who hates Iowa? We hate Iowa. Who hates Iowa? We hate Iowa. And 50,000 people or so are, are chanting this in the crowd. And I was just sitting here taking it all in, and I was thinking, this is funny because they're not playing Iowa. They're playing Syracuse. <laughs> and... I thought Minnesotans were supposed to be nice, but now I was learning that they just hate Iowans. And, I, you know, there was this point in the game where it was just boring and they were having fun entertaining themselves with being against someone else. And it was a, a fun way to entertain 
And this is a fun thing to do when we root against each other's teams. But when it comes to our relationships as human beings, it can be a lot more painful, right? When people that we thought were for us or become against us, or when we experience opposition or hurt or pain in relationship to other humans, it's going to be a painful thing. And I think that human nature shows us that it's a lot easier to be against each other than for each other. If you don't agree with me, I'd like to give you two examples. One is middle school. Do we have any middle schoolers in here by chance? I love middle schoolers. Hey, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, you know, we're so glad that middle schoolers are part of our church family and that we can create a safe place for them to learn about Jesus and, and grow as his disciples because middle school can be a really rough time of life. If you have a good experience in middle school, I praise God for that because most of my friends had really bad experiences in middle school. It's like this, some kind of force just comes over teenagers at this point in their life and the things they say about each other and do to each other can be really painful. I remember in middle school, there were some kids that I saw walking down the hallway that when I saw them coming, I would just walk the other direction because I didn't know what they were going to say to me. It was a war zone in there. And, you know, middle school can be a really painful place. And so as a congregation, we need to really encourage and support our young people and our teenagers. I remember when I was 15 and I came to know Christ for myself, the message of Jesus penetrated my heart. I, I went back to my sister and I told her that I loved her. And she just looked at me like, what, what is that? It was just so different than what we were used to. And we didn't express love and care for each other. And that wasn't the normal way that we operated. It was a lot easier for people to become enemies then become friends. And I think when you look at the history of the world, one way to look at world history is through the conflicts and the battles and the wars that humans have waged against each other since the beginning of time. My grandpa was a, a Navy captain. He loves to send me big books like this. This is a book about military history and, and conflicts. And I, I just think it, war shows us that human beings, no matter what time we live in, we're better at being against each other than for each other. And a lot of times, it's the people that we can't even tell the difference between that have the biggest conflicts. Think about the Hutus and the Tutsis and the genocide that happened in Rwanda in the 90s. Most of us couldn't tell the difference between that group of people. And if you talk to the Hutus and the Tutsis about the conflict that Americans had in the Revolutionary War, they probably couldn't tell the difference between us and people from Great Britain. Or the conflict that we had between North and South reminds us that the history of our country, as we celebrated the 4th of July this weekend, has been a history where we've had a lot of conflict, a lot of battles. It's been really easy to be against others rather than for others and to be against each other rather than for each other, even in a free country. And when you look at the history of religion, sometimes it can be a little discouraging because sometimes religion, a lot of evil has been done in the name of religion. There's a new movement in our country, I think I've mentioned before, called the New Atheist Movement. And basically, they argue that our society should do away with religion because more division and harm and pain has been done in the name of religion than good. And you can have a lot of compassion on the way that they see history because there have been some terrible things done in the name of religion. And there's been some terrible things that Christians have done in the name of Jesus. And I don't think Jesus is happy about any of that. And I wouldn't argue with them on some of those points. I mean, when you, when you think about the divisions that happen between us as Christians, sometimes we need to just be able to laugh at that a little bit. So I brought a joke that I read from another pastor I wanted to share with you, and I want to read it to you because it's got some tongue twisters in it, and I'm not the best at telling jokes, so I'm going to give it a try. Okay, you guys with me? It says this. A man was walking along San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge when he, when he saw a woman standing by herself, obviously feeling sad and lonely. 
He ran up to her and told her, God loves you. And a tear came down her eye. She was moved. Then he asked her, are you a Christian, a Jew, a Hindu, or what? And she said, I'm a Christian. He said, me too, small world, Protestant or Catholic? Protestant. Me too, what denomination? Baptist. Me too. Northern Baptist or Southern Baptist? Northern Baptist. He said, me too. This is amazing. Northern Conservative Baptist or Northern Liberal Baptist? Northern Conservative Baptist. That's amazing. Me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist or Northern Conservative Reform Baptist? Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist. Remarkable. Me too. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region or Northern Fundamentalist... No, Northern Conservative Baptist Eastern Region. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region. A miracle! One more. Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1879 or Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lake Region of 1912. Oh, Northern Conservative Fundamentalist Baptist Great Lakes Region Council of 1912. He shouted, Die, heretic! And pushed her over the bridge. I share this story with you because I think it's a funny way for us to think about the divisions that have happened between Christians. That Jesus' last prayer while he was here was that we would become one. But we find so many ways to divide against each other. And I think the world looks at that and sometimes they've experienced hurt or pain in the church and they don't want anything to do with it. I have a lot of compassion for people who have given up on the church or religion. But I really wish that they could talk to the Apostle Paul. Because Paul found exactly the opposite in his life. When he was committed to religion, when he was a Pharisee, he was devoted to persecuting and judging others. But when he encountered Jesus Christ, that Jesus was alive and risen from the dead, and that he loved him even when he was persecuting him, his heart changed. And he found a love that caused him to care for his enemies and bless those who he was persecuting. And he found a love in Christian community that he had never found before. The people that he was an enemy against were now his friends, and they were giving him food and praying for him and caring for him when they should have been afraid of him. I wish that they could talk to Ananias and the first Christians who experienced Paul coming into their house, and they could tell them the story of how, how their heart changed from fear and skepticism and doubt into joy that they had received a new brother and wonder at how God was using him to spread the message of Jesus around the world, that the power of God could change even the hardest heart and forgive the worst sins and make enemies become friends and come together and be reconciled in ways that they didn't think were possible. The Apostle Paul writes this to the church later on in his life about the vision of what Jesus calls us to be as a community. It's a beautiful thing that I want us to, to read and let just soak into our soul for a moment. It's in Romans chapter 12. It says this, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. It's mine to avenge, and I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Paul knew that, the, that Jesus never promised us an enemy-free or conflict-free existence. And that's the same in the church. We're going to have problems and conflicts with each other. But he does promise that the power of Christ is available to teach us how to love one another and work through our hurts and our differences and to bless those who persecute us, to pray for those who are against us. That the community of Jesus is called to be a different kind of community where even enemies can become friends in the power of God. I wish people who have given up on religion and the church could talk to some of the people throughout the ages who have followed this guidance in their life. I wish they could talk to the the first Christians in the Roman Empire, that when the Roman Empire was falling apart and was burning to the ground, that they took care of the sick and the hurting that were of different faiths and religions than them. I wish they could talk to William Wilberforce, who challenged the system of slavery in Great Britain. When the culture said that was a good thing, William Wilberforce said, that is not the way to treat any other human being. And he worked his whole life to rid the slave trade from his culture. I wish they could talk to the families in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, an Amish community that had a terrible thing happen about seven, eight years ago, if you remember. In 2006, a gunman came into a school and, and killed some of their dear children. But these Amish people, they found a power to forgive. And they raised money to donate to the gunman's widow and orphans. I wish that people who have given up on the church and religion could talk to Martin Luther King. In case you haven't heard, he had a dream for our country one day that we would be a people where we could come together across our differences and we could value each other no matter what our skin color looked like. That he served those who persecuted him and blessed others even when they were against him. I wish that people who have given up on religion and the church, that they could talk to an Anglican bishop named John Rusiana. If you haven't heard his story before, he was a, a Tootsie in the Rwandan genocide. And he went to a prison that housed Hutu perpetrators of the genocide. And in that place, something amazing happened. He offered the chance for forgiveness and reconciliation. And when the men were sobbing for what they did, he proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ to forgive even the worst sins and reconcile even the worst enemies. That what was broken in such a terrible way was healed through the power of God. And he's since started a ministry that has helped tens of thousands of people that have perpetrated or been victims of genocide to find healing and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. I wish people who have given up on the church religion could talk to Martin Luther, who said that the church is a hospital for sinners, not a place for perfect people, a place where people can come and learn about the love of Jesus Christ that's for us even when we were against him and that has the power to change our hearts and teach us to love and reconcile with our enemies and those who oppose us. All these people at different times and places in the history of the church had one thing in common. They knew the secret to which Paul testified at the end of his life. In 1 Timothy, he writes this to his young protege who's going to lead the church. And this is something that's meant to be passed down to every church in every generation. 
Here is a saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that I, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience with me as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. All the people that I've mentioned knew the power of the gospel that had saved them from their own sins and that gave them the power to love even their worst enemies, to care for those who persecuted them and to bless those who opposed them. The power of Christ can bring people together in a way that's not possible in our own strength. And, you know, for people who have given up on religion and the church, I wish they could talk to you guys. I wish they could talk to the ordinary people in the church because while we might not have as dramatic a story as Martin Luther King Jr. or the Apostle Paul, all of us face opposition, all of us face problems, all of us have things in our lives that we are not proud of, that we have done, and that have been done to us. And the good news of Jesus is that his power can transform the life of anyone who believes. And as we bring our pain and our struggles, as we bring the wrongs we have done and the opposition that we face to the Lord, he gives us a new strength. He gives us a story to share with the world that Jesus is alive and that his, his, his power can change you and me. And that's good news to share with the world that's news that people really need to hear. And so I hope people that have given up on the church and religion can talk to you, that you can have a chance, like the Apostle Paul, to witness to the power and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be awesome if our culture and our world, again, became baffled by what God has done in our life, that his power has changed our hearts in such a way that's unexplainable without his presence? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the story of the Apostle Paul. We thank you for your power to change human life in a way that's not possible in our own strength. And Lord, there are many of us here who have done things and all of us have done things that we just need your grace and your forgiveness for. And I thank you that you are stronger than our sin, that you're more powerful and more loving than the worst things that we have done in our lives. And Lord, I thank you that your promise is to reconcile us to our brothers and sisters, that you want to bring love and acceptance and healing where there's brokenness and pain. You want to bring people together where people are against each other. And Lord, I pray that our church would be a place where people will be baffled because of your presence in our life, where people could come together in the power of Christ in an unexplainable way. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.